Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rise Up Supplements, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Listeners, thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule to listen to episode 112. Today on We Do Recover, we're going to be tackling a topic of basically meet the staff. We have a new sponsor that came on, High Desert Counseling. Uh, I, I have the luxury of working at High Desert Counseling, and so I've invited some of my coworkers on here to basically for you to get to know them, talk about what we do at High Desert Counseling and some of the different things that we offer, services. So let me invite my guests on. Our featured guest is Vanessa Trainee. Vanessa, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. I'm so glad you're on here. Me too. And then we have a blast from the past. <laughs> Episode 11, The Journey of Tyson and Crystal Hannig. We have Crystal Hannig here as our guest co-host to help me out today. Hi. It's good to be here. <laughs> it's I've, been forever, right? I know. It's been a while. And if I do math correctly, which is why I'm a social worker and not <laughs> something else, that's like 101 episodes ago. Yeah. It's been a minute. That's awesome. So um, that was a fun episode, though. It was super fun. So for those of you listening now, if you have not heard episode 11 with uh, Tyson and Crystal, you got to go back and listen to that. It's kind of their <laughs> journey of their relationship and trying to get clean together. And man, it was I was teasing sellers the other day. And I think I said to him, you know, if I fired you tomorrow and I needed a new co-host, you know who I would call? And he's like, who? And I'm like, Tyson Hannig. <laughs> that dude is hilarious. <laughs> Funny That's cat. why we're still married. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now that we kind of got this thing rocking and rolling, everybody's nerves are settled in, right? Episode 112 is brought to us by High Desert Counseling. High Desert Counseling is a progressive substance abuse treatment facility with a practical approach. They offer day treatment, morning and evening IOP, continuation of care, and Prime for Life programs. Check out their website at highdesert.help. Or call them at 435-673-2899. Their facilities are located in St. George and Cedar City, Utah. We appreciate them sponsoring this podcast. Episode 112 is also brought to us by Rise Up Supplements. Rise Up Supplements is a nootropic supplement line aimed at optimizing brain function and supporting mental health. They have two powerful nootropic blends. Mindful Mood helps decrease anxiety and enhance mood. While MindShift helps de- sorry, increase focus and optimize brain function, place your order at riseupsups.com. That's R-I-S-E-U-P-S-U-P-S.com. At checkout, punch in podcast 20 to save yourself 20% off your entire purchase. Appreciate them sponsoring this podcast too. All right, well, let's get into it. So meet the staff series, episode number one. You guys are trailblazers. We've never done this before. <laughs> So, Crystal, maybe let's start off with you as, as the co-host. Like, you know, I w- went over the tagline of the sponsorship mention, but what comes to you the most when I say, like, what's different about High Desert Counseling? I think the one thing that really sticks out to me is um, what Mike named the pretzel effect, um, where we work really closely with um, other places in the community we do a pretty good job at getting our clients connected with resources and other providers in the community. Um, when I was going to school, one of the things that really stuck with me was that my job as a therapist is to get my clients to a place where they no longer need me. Mm. Um, and we know that community support and connection is super important um, with people in recovery. And so we tried to... Um, add a pretty healthy component that would fit that need. I love that. Right. The pretzel effect. Yes. So it's funny that I kind of have a little story around this. I don't think people completely understand what happens at like a treatment center facility. Right. Right. So high desert counseling's outpatient. Anyways, let me get into the story. So I, I went to the dentist. If I have like a lisp, it's because I got aligners going on. I get my teeth fixed. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like trying to take care of myself in recovery these days. So I show up to like dental appointments, you know, right. uh, it's like a thing apparently. And the lady that was working on my teeth said, 
like, you know, she asked the typical get to know you, fill in the awkward moments, questions like, where do you work? Tell me about your work. And she, and so of course everybody knows somebody who's struggled with addiction and she's like, Oh, I had a cousin's aunt's dog's uncle's friend. <laughs> right. And I'm like, Oh sweet. You know? And she's like, I always wondered what they do at like a program like yours. <laughs> and she said, obviously there's like therapy that's involved. And I said, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, and she's like, but what else? And I'm like, Oh man, everything. There's a ton of stuff, right? Like that's, that's just a tiny little piece that we do. So Vanessa, I wanted you to come on here for the first part because I truly believe what makes High Desert Counseling an exceptional place and what a lot of people don't know about substance abuse treatment facilities is the case management piece, that peer support piece. So maybe fill in our listener, Miss Dental Hygienist, who has no idea what goes on except for the therapy portion. Like just what's a day in your job look like? Oh man, I get to do all the cool stuff. Um I get to just share my experience, strength, and help with them. <clears throat> help relate, uh, help by relating with them. And I mean, even the simple stuff like jobs, you know, like filling out an application or um, making, making like an online Indeed resume. You know, I've done, I've offered to do that before. Um, helping with filling out paperwork, um, helping them get connected in the community. A lot of people struggle when they get. Well, I mean, I know I did for sure when I first got into recovery with wanting to go to meetings or I just felt really different. And I know that, um, it's our disease that does that to us. And so I can relate with them being like, Oh, I've, I've been through that as well and help connect them with people. I know will take them in and help them in whatever, if they want to do the fellowship, one of them in a or addict athlete, or if they're more interested in USARA, I can set them up with people like that just so they can start building, um, like some outside support outside of just group, you know, people they can keep talking with after, after your treatment ends. Beautifully said, beautifully said. And that's, that's really kind of when I said the, the whole, what we do at high desert counseling, I, I really believe in is, is that piece, getting them connected to agencies outside of us so they can have long-term success. Right. What a lot of people I think forget is when you're very early in recovery, we're talking 30 days or less, Crystal, you're a therapist, right? CMHC, LCSW? LCSW. Okay. Thank you. Yes. We have a strong credentialed person next to me here to support, <laughs> you know, um, we forget that like their frontal cortex isn't working, you know? And so like oftentimes family members, friends, uh, they all want the best for that individual. And they're like, you know, get out, find a job, find some independent housing, make it to your appointments. There's a thing called having car insurance and a valid driver's license, right? Like everyday stuff that most people are probably listening to this and going, well, obviously they know that knowing that and having the cognitive ability to do those minute tasks is sometimes two separate things, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that basic piece of just helping them like, <laughs> let's fill out a, an application. Let's update your resume, right? It's a big piece. Okay. It, it can also be super overwhelming. I mean, Imagine for a second that everything that you have in your life is gone, like no birth certificate, no social security card, no driver's license, no insurance, no um, primary care physician, like everything. And trying to start with nothing can be super overwhelming. And you may know all the things that you need to do, just like what you said, but figuring out what steps to take. And some of that stuff is like really complicated. I mean, it seems very basic, but you get online to get your driver's license and you need like your birth certificate and you need your social security card. And then you go to get your birth certificate and you find out you need your mom's uncle's brother's like <laughs> whole life to yeah. get that stuff. Or you need a parent to go in and get it for you because you don't have ID. Like it's, it's a bunch of catch 22s and having somebody who has walked through that before be able to, you know, take their hand and walk with them while they do it is super helpful. Um, it's, it's the support, you know, and that piece is invaluable. And I have to say that, um, I think often case managers are underappreciated. I know for me that I could not do my job without them, the support that they give the clients and, and me, um, the therapists that work there is, uh, it's amazing. 
Um, and oftentimes the clients, I mean, I'm, I'm in recovery myself. Um, our case managers are also in recovery. I just broke yours. There you go. Hi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my position it's still sometimes intimidating for them. And with the case managers also being in recovery, oftentimes they're more comfortable opening up and spending time with them. And so it's, it's an invaluable piece of our program. I'm glad you brought that up, Crystal, because one thing that I completely realized in this moment that I've forgotten to do to do is let Vanessa kind of share a little bit about herself and her story so people can kind of relate. And we broke your anonymity. Sorry about that. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> so okay. why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about you? Um, okay. Well, I grew up here in St. George. Um, I grew up in a family where uh, everyone partied. Like um, I had pretty young parents and it was really normal for people to get drunk on a daily basis. Um, so I grew up knowing that as my normal. Um, it wasn't too long after I started drinking that I picked up heavier drugs and eventually uh, started doing basically anything that would be put in front of me. Um, and I, I, I had, I struggled really hard with wanting to feel, um, just safe somewhere. And I, I just really couldn't. And so I, um, was just trying to be anything to anybody at any time. So I was a chameleon all the time. Um, I, so I would switch from one drug to another drug because I'd burn all these people and then I'd be with another group of people and just going in a circle. I went from St. George to Cedar City to Vegas to Salt Lake and just, you know, burning bridges. Um, ended up homeless and then ended up back in Cedar City and um, started getting in trouble with the law pretty bad. And um, I racked up like four felony charges. And I was 21 years old and I was told that I had the option to either go into drug court or I could go to prison. And so um, I didn't believe them and I, I denied drug court. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they were really gonna send me to prison. And so I, I, be I begged to talk to the head of APMP in, in Iron County and asked them what I could do if, I, if drug court was still on the table and I gotta go to drug court. Um, I gotta go to the Horizon House. And I had been to treatment quite a few times before um, so I just felt like I already knew everything when mm. I got to the Horizon House and I just didn't really feel like, um, they were going to be able to teach me anything. And I got lucky and got Crystal as a therapist. So, um, I learned a thing or two and, um, I got out of the Horizon House and still didn't really know if I wanted to be clean. I just knew I didn't want to go to prison and, um, I got pregnant. It was a surprise pregnancy and, um, I felt really unprepared to have a baby. Like I didn't know anything about being a mom. I knew how to party and I knew how to protect myself. And that's about all, all I really knew. And I felt really inadequate. Um, but I knew that I was in a good position. I was in drug court. I had a good therapist. Um, I had an amazing tracker who loved me and put up with a bunch of my bull crap, <laughs> like a, a lot more than he probably should have. And he made me see my worth. And, um, so I went through the, with the pregnancy. I did what I could in drug court, um, but I really didn't build that outside, um, that outside support other than my group. I like was very comfortable with Crystal, very comfortable with my tracker. I had a sponsor, but I wasn't gonna work the steps. I didn't think that applied to me. I didn't need to do anything other than jump through the hoops. And um, when drug court ended, um, I relapsed that day after almost 18 months of clean time. And uh, I was during COVID and there wasn't a lot of meetings going on and I was still a new mom. I think I had, I think my daughter was like nine months old when I relapsed. And um, it was, it was really scary. Um, I didn't really know what to do. I mean, I knew what to do cause I'd been in kind of in recovery before I'd had some clean time. I had been shown what to do, but I just didn't really know if I had the courage to do it especially with there not being a whole lot of um, in-person meetings. And I was, I just really got kind of scared about reaching out, thinking that people weren't going to accept me again. Um, and after a few months of just horror, it was just horror. Like I, I got really bad really quick. Um, I was suicidal. I didn't want to be alive anymore. I kept looking at my daughter thinking like, why did I do this? You know, I was clean mm. when I had you. Why did I do this again? Now I can't get back out. And I had that pain that I had never felt before. And it was the pain of being an addict and a parent, you know? Um, and my parents stepped in and was like, you know, you, you don't deserve your daughter, you know, like we're going to keep her. And, um, I wish I could say that that was the reason why I decided to get clean. Uh, but it took a couple more weeks. 
Um, and I got invited to go on like a suicide walk with somebody. And I was like, I don't even know. I like woke up that day and for some reason hadn't used, you know, and I, I, I it's not odd. It's God, you know, and um, <laughs> I had a friend invite me to go on this walk and I showed up there. I went and picked my daughter up from my mom's house because I didn't want them to know I hadn't had her with me that day. And um, I'm walking with them and my, my sponsor's there, you know, <laughs> and um I was like, like waiting for them to ask me like where I'd been and what's been going on. I was like trying to come up with all these answers in my head of like what to tell them, you know, mm. and nobody asked me anything. They just walked with me and acted like I had never left before. And, um, at the end of the walk, I remember thinking like, man, these people love me. Like I, people love me. And I just, I turned to my sponsor and I said, I need you to come to my house with me. And, um, she came with me, didn't ask any questions. We got there and I had her remove all the paraphernalia out of my house. I had a box of wine still in the fridge, had to get rid of that as well. And I just said, I need you to take this and I, I need you to never tell me what you did with it. I just needed to be <laughs> gone. I don't have the strength or the courage to flush it. I can't watch you take it out. Like I just need it to be gone, you know? And she, she left and she called me and she said, you really want to do this? And I said, yeah. And she said, um, what are you willing to do? And I just said, whatever you tell me. And, um, mm. I think I started working my steps the next day because I didn't do that before. And I just haven't stopped. That's like, um, I got, I got involved with, um, the recovery community that was up in Cedar. I was still living in Cedar at that time. Um, and I had to move back down here and had a, a little scare about joining the recovery community down here because it was so tight knit and so much different than what I experienced in Cedar or at least that's what it felt like. That's what your um, disease told you. That's what my disease told me. And yeah. so I think I was down here for almost a year before I went to a meeting. Um, I still, I stayed doing my step work, which is the only reason why I stayed clean. Um, and then I, I also had another baby. So, but yeah, I came down here and, and got to be a part of the recovery community down here. And, um, it was a game changer for me. Like I, I love being in recovery. I, I can't imagine being a part of any other kind of community. Like this is the best kind of community to be, to be a part of, you know? Yeah. It's pretty rad. We have a pretty cool community down oh, here. Yeah. yeah. Almost like second family, right? Like oh, absolutely. oftentimes I always refer to like, I have my biological family and then I have like my recovery family. Yeah. So, um, you shared that you were lucky to get crystal. Is that how you felt in that moment? <laughs> because so I know, I know my girl crystal next to me. Right. And she will tell you herself that she, she gets often like you're very intimidating. You're very like uh, direct and very. When you when you get to know her, she is a big softy, like most of us, probably like myself. Yeah. But but she does a good job of keeping that a secret. <laughs> yes, a secret. How how did you feel about it at the time? Oh man! So when I first got into the Horizon House, there was only she was the only therapist working there at the time at the women's house that was also an addict. Mm. So. When I felt really lucky in that moment because I was like, I really, I had a hard time. I always wanted to be different. So I didn't feel like they understood me at all. Like I was really defiant and I was just going to fight anybody. And so <laughs> I was willing to work with Crystal, you know, and she was great. Um, we did. I mean, I had my, I was a more difficult client. Um, I had a hard time. Um, I had a hard time kind of just, just doing what I was supposed to do. I wanted to fight everything. If I, I was like, okay, I can stay clean. That's not a problem. But do I really have to have a curfew? You know, do I really have to go to two <laughs> meetings a week? Like, do I have to process everything? You know, and so there was just some things that I really wanted to fight on and Crystal never let me. And yeah, uh, there was a, a time where I was like, man, this sucks, you know, <laughs> but uh, I really appreciate it. And that's the kind of person that I need someone that's not going to put up with me, you know, have those boundaries up because if you let me walk all over you, I'm going to. <laughs> We call it resistant compliance. Resistant yes. compliance. I call it <laughs> adult <favorite>. oppositional <laughs> defiance because supposedly yes. I, I learned that oppositional defiance disorder is not in adults, it's but not. it is in adults. Yeah. But we have it. Yes. <laughs> Mine but definitely it's a thing. carried over into adulthood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> so Crystal, let's get kind of your side of that. You did used to work for Southwest. I did. I worked for Southwest Behavioral Health Center. Um, I worked at the Horizon House up in Cedar for about seven and a half years. Um, I started as a tech. Um, well, that's what I guess what most people call him. Yeah. Um, and I went through grad school while I was working there and graduated and 
got my license and worked as a therapist there as well. Um, the first little while, I think it was like the first three years that I worked there, three and a half years, I was at the women's house only. And then once I started um, in grad school and started to work as a therapist, they moved me over to the men's house. Vanessa was the last female that I had that I worked with. Um, and it's for me, it's uh, it's really hard to put words on it to have somebody that I worked with in that capacity um, that now works with me at the tra- treatment center that I work at is it, it's amazing. Um, it's super cool. I watched her progress from afar after we parted ways. Um, I mean, I would see her in the recovery community. That's what I mean from afar. We weren't like, you know, best days in going to lunch because you can't do that. (laughs) Um, But I just watched her in recovery and um, what I saw was incredible. And like, that's why I do the job that I do. Everybody knows when you work in treatment, there's lots of heartache um, because lots of us die. It's, that's a cold, hard fact. Um, And it's heartbreaking. And it's, it can be emotionally draining. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, some of the stuff is heavy. The piece that she shared about being one of the only clinicians, therapists, whatever, that was in recovery, do you get that a lot? Like, um, like the, the, do you find that people are more comfortable working with you because you identify as a person in long-term recovery? Absolutely. I So the therapist that I worked with up at their Heisen house was amazing, oh, and yes. I learned so much from her and she, um, she broke this down for me. She was not in recovery. Um, and she would get that a lot. And she said, uh, she said, if I break my leg and I have to have surgery, does the surgeon have to have had a broken leg to put my leg back together? Great point. Yeah. And that hit me. Like I I was like, no, they don't. And watching her, um, work with the clients, she was amazing. That being said, um, I think I have a lot better rapport with the clients right off the bat because of that. Like she had to work harder to get it. Um, And I believe like you can understand addiction and you can absolutely help people that are addicts without being one, but you never know what it feels like if you're not one. And um, that empathy piece, I think for me, the wreckage of my past um, has become my greatest asset. And so that's really cool. That is cool. That That's very cool. And I, I think the reason why I asked that is, you know, and it, when you're going to school, um, so I'm a substance abuse ca- counselor, so I have a little bit of some of the education that you have, right? Um, mm-hmm. They teach you about self-disclosure. Mm-hmm. Like, like you shouldn't <laughs> do the self-disclosure thing. It's a bad idea, you know, yada, yada. Uh, what I've typically found is number one, it's hard for me to ask a client to be authentic if I can't be authentic myself. And number two, there's something to be said about when somebody feels like you'll never understand them and you can literally look across from them and be like, I've, I've been you. Like, yes. Right. Yes, I can. Different name, different skin, but story's the same. Mm-hmm. Like that there is that natural connection. So that's it's kind of cool because I think some people I've met people that are in recovery, but they, that are clinicians, but they don't tell their clients that Right. I, I myself have never really understood that. Um, I've, I've always disclosed that. Um, but also like our community is pretty small. And if you're in recovery and in one of the fellowships in this community, everybody knows. Yeah. Um, most people already knew that I, that I was in recovery and that I was an addict before I ever disclosed that. Um, I also like my supervisor that I worked for name was Leslie and she was absolutely amazing. Um, she told me at one time she said about self-disclosure cause it is, it's a little bit different when you work in substance abuse. She used to say substance abuse is a whole different animal from anything else. <laughs> and It is. Um, You know, she gave me some great advice. She said, don't ever disclose anything that you haven't fully worked through. Mm. Um, And that was, that was really cool. Really good advice. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. I don't have a problem disclosing that. I love that. And that's, there's there, I'm sure there's a valid point to that, right? Like you need to do the work around the stuff that you need to work on before you open it up, especially in front of clients. Right. Right. And disclosure is one thing you do. You have to be careful not to make it about you. And we all know how much us addicts like to talk about ourselves. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Good point. Well, I think mission accomplished so far. We have 25 more minutes of this in part two. 
However, we've gotten to know you both a little bit more, gotten to know your education and background and working in the field, Crystal, and gotten to know you, Vanessa, and kind of your story of recovery. We're going to get back to that in the second part of this thing. So stick with us. Episode 112, uh, getting to know the staff series is underway. We'll be back after this little 30-second sponsorship mention. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rise of Supplements, and the Hilton Garden Inn. High Desert Counseling is an adult outpatient substance abuse treatment facility. We offer multiple services, including day treatment, morning and evening intensive outpatient services, continuing care, and Prime for Life. What makes us different is our emphasis on gathering all of the information before enrollment. We do this by offering a thorough evaluation by a credentialed professional. Once we have committed to you and you have committed to us, don't worry, insurance will not dictate your treatment. Lastly, the pretzel effect. We are a brief intervention where we connect our clients to community, mental health, and medical professionals to help maintain recovery for life after treatment. At High Desert Counseling, we strive to be the bridge from active addiction to recovery, community, and connection. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rise Up Supplements, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. <laughs> yeah, now, now say, say it now. Say it now. <laughs> All right, welcome back to episode 112. I got. I, I tried throwing Crystal right underneath the bus with like 10 seconds before we were back on here, so... All right. Well, the it came on, and then just the deer in the headlights. It was I, just I, like, I didn't know I was supposed to talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was waiting for the light that said now. Yes, yes. That, that's what makes this thing beautiful. Is it's organic, right? Let's try to get ready. Three, two, one. We're back. <laughs> All right. She nailed it. Bravo, nailed it. bravo. Something about Hilton Garden Inn, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's always sunny at the Hilton Garden Inn. Boom. She, oh, she made it. All right. I it like that. always sunny and bright. <laughs> Episode 112 is brought to us by the Hilton Garden Inn. Where it's always sunny and bright. Where it's always sunny and bright. If you or a loved one are traveling through southern Utah, give them a Google search. Just go to Google and type in Hilton Garden Inn in St. George, Utah. Yes, it's always clean. They have amazing amenities. We appreciate their sponsorship. Okay, so the goal of this Get to Know the Staff series was to get to know you both a little bit more. I feel like we've done some of that. What I also failed to man i'm all over the place today right so let me settle in here typically we start off with like new and good a message of gratitude what has recovery brought in you so far that you're grateful for in life today it's mostly for me because by nature i'm like a glass half empty kind of guy mm. so it forces my brain to like find some positive stuff going on right so new and goods Vanessa, we're going to start off with you okay what is new and good in your life today so much. Oh man. Okay. So within the last year, I got I got married um, uh, to someone else who's also in recovery. Um, we together we have four kids. So he had two before. I had one, and then we we had a baby, and then got married. So I have like a whole family. And you got like so half of a baseball team. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Yeah. You're on your way. You guys I have could, a minivan. You, so. you could you could fill the whole infield right now. I could. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. So um, Jesse Tranny. Yeah, yeah. Trainee. Trainee, yes. I say his name wrong. He corrected me the last time he was on here. We did an episode with him and a couple other people about like a community recovery thing where we cleaned up the backyard for... I, oh, for one of the Unity houses. Yes, okay, I remember. for one of the Unity houses. He was on here. Go back and check out that episode. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but Jesse's a good dude. He's also the guy that whenever I have like yard, lawn, anything landscaping, he owns his own business, right? Right. Trainee landscaping. Give him a little plug, a little shout out. <laughs> he does a fantastic job. He's worked on my sprinklers several times. Just a solid dude. Solid dude. So congratulations on getting married. What else? Thank you. Um, and so I started working at High Desert, which is really awesome. It's like seriously my dream job. I've, I've As soon as High Desert opened up and I saw that 
that Crystal was working there and I had <laughs> enough clean time. I was like, man, I want to be a case manager there so bad. Um, I was, I was working at another treatment center and, um, as, as a, as a psych tech, but I really wanted to do case management. Um, I love working in residential treatment and being there, but I really wanted to do the the life stuff, you know, like teach life skills because that's what I can offer. You know, I've gone through that, that, that hard part of having nothing and having to build up and I wanted to be able to help people do that. So um, I reached out to Mike and asked him if they had another case manager position open, if he would, um, if he'd be interested in talking with me. And uh, <laughs> I think... They ended up reaching out to me, not even knowing that I messaged Mike and, um, it was, it was perfect. <laughs> I couldn't go back to work full time. They needed a part-time case manager and, and, uh, it was like, it was meant to be. And I felt like that ever since. Um, and so my life has just been really good. I, I get to do the mom thing all day long and then I get to go to work at night and do what I love doing, working with people in recovery with some awesome coworkers. So my, my life is, is really good today. That is a beautiful new and good. I love that. So we worked together running some night IOP stuff, right? And uh, I always find it very valuable that, that you care a lot about the clients, right? That you're always coming in, you share your experience with them, you pull them aside and, you know, if they need a little redirection or help on assignments, take the time to do that type of stuff. So yeah, it's been good working with you. Yeah, I love working there. And the assignment stuff is my favorite because I've done all the assignments that they do besides some of the, the more personal ones, but I've done all the assignments. And so I know how to do them. And so it's really nice if they have trouble that I can walk them through it. And I even have my assignments still from treatment that I can get show out them of here. Now. Really? Yeah, I do. I found them the other day and I was so excited what? because I wrote a bunch of them. That's cool. That's <laughs> way cool. We're going to jump back into something that you mentioned about the residential piece. But before that, Crystal, what's yes. new and good in your life? Oh my gosh. My life is really amazing today. Um, I will go with the top two that stick out. So I Despite Tyson, yeah. <laughs> or I mean, because of Tyson, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, my he's brain a big part of it. I know <laughs> he he makes things super cool. Um, so the top two, I recently got to go to Belize and go scuba diving, mm. and um, I got to pet a shark, and that's been on my bucket list like forever. What and type of shark gonna, are we talking like, about? My eyes here? are going to leak from because I can't even contain <laughs> like how excited I was. It was just a nurse shark. They're like okay. babies. They're All like right. puppies. There were some, what are they, the black tip reef sharks? There were actually a bunch of them. It was a little intimidating, but I almost got in trouble because I didn't want to come back up. Apparently I was down too far for too long and that oh. can be really bad or I don't know, Oxygen something deprivation, like that. something like yeah. that. I mean, yeah. you and just I, lose brain cells or something. something. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they assigned us, we were supposed to use the buddy system <laughs> and Tyson was my buddy. <laughs> And we got up we afterwards and he was like, uh, did you forget about the buddy system? <laughs> and I was like, well, no, I was just the leader because <laughs> <laughs> I was literally off in my own world. Um, like, yeah, I just want to live down there. And it has, I've always wanted to touch a shark, wanted to, I don't know why I find them fascinating. I'm kind of obsessed with them. Tyson bought me one of those sharks that you can follow with the bracelets oh, wow. for my birthday. And they give you, there's an app and his name is Thor. And I check on him all the time and see where he's at. Like a real shark. Yeah. They're, they tag him for research purposes, but then they sell, <laughs> they sell the app and, um, you, they give you a shark and it comes with a little bracelet, but it's an app on your phone. And I have a short, I have a shark. I just about <laughs> said short because when I get excited, I make up new words. <laughs> so so. I, I gotta, I, I gotta tell this little story. When you said you got to pet a shark, it immediately back brought me back to a day I was doom scrolling on social media <laughs> and I saw a reel of a guy and he's like with his little one and little ones in front of him. And he's like reaching over the boat and he's like, like touching the sharks. Right. And a shark comes up and grabs his pinky. I'm not making this up. Twists yeah. three times and his pinky was gone. And yeah. then it's just squirting blood everywhere. Gross. So I had that run through my mind. I'm like, Crystal, you're pretty brave. That's why I asked what kind of shark. Yeah. Because these weren't small sharks. These were big boys. Well, and at one point when we were down really deep and we looked up, you could see the shadow of the boat and there was literally like four reef sharks circling them. But just like they, I didn't know that they did that in real life, like <laughs> circling the boat. Um, and it, that was a little bit intimidating. And I think the boat left and then came back. Um, but it, I don't know. It was, it was super amazing. And they feel leathery, like sandpapery really? leather. Yeah. Mm. It was strange. I would expect for him to be like soft, like a like dolphin, silk. smooth. I was thinking yeah. like a rubber glove for some reason. Mm. Uh -huh. Nope. Nope. Like They're rough. Weird. Yeah. That's weird. 
Yeah. That's crazy. And I can't wait to go back down and see more bigger <laughs> ones. <laughs> <laughs> see, you're going to end up with missing a pinky, Chris. This might, is how it starts, right? I might, like, my, my husband's really worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> the um, thing I love about your new and good is I, I've heard you talk about this a little bit at work. And there's a recovery-related story in there. There is. The Grateful Dead. You love the Grateful Dead. (laughs) Tyson, I got her for you. Uh, Let's talk about what happened with the Grateful Dead concert. (laughs) So I don't really love the Grateful Dead. Um, Everybody that knows me knows that. He hates the Grateful Dead. (laughs) I do. I do. Um, However, my husband loves the Grateful Dead. And um, they were playing in... Oh, I can't even remember. Belize was the second part of the trip. Um, I can't think of the name of the place right now. But it's like on the beach, some tropical. Cancun. Cancun. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'll go. You know, I'll go hang out on the beach. It was a four day show. Um, but there's, you know, one of the recovery tools that we teach called radical acceptance. And I did a really good job. I was dancing. I was out there. You would not have ever known that I did not like the Grateful Dead. Um, I had a great time. It was like, do you remember that movie cocoon? Yes. Yes. Where the people go into the, the pool old people. and they get, they're youth. all over like 80. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, one of the coolest parts for me is there's, uh, this group of people and they're not anonymous. So I know I can say their name and they're called, um, the Wharf Rats and they are in recovery. They had a place called recovery Island that was in the middle of like, it was in, in front of the soundstage, but in the middle of the crowd. Yeah. Which was literally on the beach. And if you were somebody in, who was in recovery and you were struggling for any reason, all you had to do was find the yellow balloons and you could go hang out with a whole bunch of people that were in recovery. So they had like balloons in the concert. They were holding or in yep. the roped off section? No, the, the balloons were, I don't know, because they didn't actually walk over there to that part. Oh, okay. But I could see the yellow balloon through the crowd. Wow. And so they were holding them somehow. Um, the other cool part was that they had um, recovery meetings every morning on the beach at 10 o'clock in the morning. And um, we went to two of them and they were um, a couple of the coolest meetings that I've been to. And so, although I may not be a huge fan of the Grateful Dad, I definitely fell in love with the people that were there. That's so um, cool. And it was, let me, it was get, super let me cool. get this straight here. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing something. So, <laughs> so Grateful Dead concert. Yuck. Band, yes. <laughs> band notorious for drug use. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then you can go to the go to the multi-day show in A, have recovery meetings before the show. Yep. And then find the yellow balloon at the show and hang out with other people who are in recovery at the show. Yep. It's called amongst Re- other people who are probably not yet ready for recovery. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Recovery Island. And it was like super it was actually up close. There's a whole section of people in recovery that were that was for other people in recovery in the middle of a Grateful Dead concert. That is cool. It those was amazing. Only, that is cool. Those are probably the only people that will remember. The, the four days of the Grateful <laughs> Dead concert. Uh, I got a buddy who goes to Grateful Dead concerts all the time. So yeah. now I have to say, hey, have you seen the yellow balloon? Yeah. There you go. Find out. What There's are they called? Warf Rats? Warf Rats. W-A-R-F, like Warf Rats. Yeah. And they're, they were the most welcoming, friendly people um, that I've met in a really long time. And... Um, the music was actually okay. I think part of it's that I've just kind of been on that bandwagon my whole life, you know, like <laughs> anti just because it, everybody else liked it. Cause yeah. I have to be different as well. <laughs> um, but it was, it was super cool. Um, Winona Judd, Judd came out and did a duet with him wow. and that was like awesome. I had no idea she could sing blues like that. And then there was the, uh, who's their new singer. Come on, John Mayer, John Mayer sang for him and he's pretty hot. So that made it tolerable. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. yeah. No, nice. it was fun. I had a great time and it was really cool for me. And this is something else that recovery has given me for me to be able to go and do that with my husband for him, even though it's not something that I would have picked. Um, that's been huge. Yeah. You know, caring about other people. I have to jump in on this one. I heard a similar story years ago. This it made me this thing, uh, going on a cruise. You guys, you know, I'm going to this one here. Yeah. No, I'm I okay. Did. So I mean, I'm familiar with going on oh, a cruise. Going, you know, cruises are notorious for drinking and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And then, same way. So, if you are, uh, if you say to the bartender, "You're friends of Bill W," mm-hmm. then that's code to say, "Hey, I'm part of AA. Please don't serve me alcohol." Yep. And so they try to push the alcohol on everybody else until you say, "Hey, I'm friends with Bill W." 
And then they and that's say, code. That's code to be like, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Please yeah. just get me some uh, Sprite and club water and whatever, and we'll call it good. Without yeah. like making a big deal about it. Right. Yep. It's the equivalent of going to In-N-Out Burger and saying, I would like that animal style. Yes. Not, not <laughs> quite. You will not it's find not it on the menu. <laughs> but if you know, you but, know, right? But, but yeah. it's nice to think that there's, there's places, you, there's still... Uh, enjoyment of life and activities mm -hmm. for people in recovery, uh, especially when some of those activities are so closely associated with uh, um, addictive behavior. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So interesting, like that goes right along with that. We also went on a cruise for Christmas and I had never been on a cruise before. Um, and we actually went to a meeting on the cruise ship. Um, it was listed, it was listed in the, the, things of events and it said, um, friends of Bill W. And, um, so we actually attended a meeting on a freaking cruise ship and that was pretty amazing. And I've heard that announced. You can also do that in airports. And I've actually heard that go over the intercom where if you're struggling, you can, you can page friends of Bill W and people in recovery will come. This goes to show you can in anywhere, right? Anywhere, anywhere these days. We're everywhere. <laughs> that's so cool. We've come such a long ways from the way it used to be. You know that, what I'm that's saying? That's such a good thing to know. So now if I hear somebody paging friends of Bill W, you know, that's something that. That I, means you need to go. Maybe I can step up and say, hey, I can I can be as a, a support there. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Wait a, wait a minute. You've told me about your trip to Jamaica. I don't know about... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. So it, on that note, right, it's probably good to acknowledge we're just joking on here. If you're normie, if you can go to a Grateful Dead concert and have a few beers, good for you, right? Like we're not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. No. Or Jamaica and have a few beers, Sean. It's fine. People, people can do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, uh, that rolls into my new and good, which I shared last week. So we have a couple recovery concerts going on. Maybe we can get the what? Wharf Rats to come to these recovery concerts. I'd be rad. So people will know about them. So on uh, June 3rd, up in Ogden, the Ogden Amphitheater, the Talent in the Park, the SJS Scholarship Foundation, which is a nonprofit, helps individuals get into Valley Camp is throwing a fundraiser where you can see like Joe Nestor play. You can see Caliche's coming this year for like 20 bucks. You get in, there's a bunch of different bands. They have local <laughs> people come and last year it was cool. Like these little girls did this karate display thing, right? And they're out there breaking. I guess it was more than girls. It was girls and boys. They're out there breaking boards and fighting with swords <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, holy, this is crazy, right? It's kind of fun. And then June 4th down here in Southern Utah, if you're coming down for the Aaron Navarro softball tournament that Sunday on the 4th at the Cox Performing Arts Center, we're going to have Joe Nestor and Caliche do a recovery concert. All the funds raised will go to the Sobriety Foundation, which helps mm. people get into sober living houses. So we got some cool recovery concerts coming up. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's my new and good as well. Sean Denovan, you got a new and good now that I've made you... Uncomfortable. And everything I say now has like zero value because it's not <laughs> even close to what anybody has said. I, I needed a bolt for my motorcycle and nobody had it in town and I found it online and it cost like $4 a bolt and I got it. There you go. That's my new and good. Hey, so now my motorcycle is almost ready to ride. I love it. That, that's it. That's great. No Grateful Dead concerts, no amazing stuff, just <laughs> an overpriced piece of metal that I had to buy from Florida because Ace Hardware didn't have it. Nice. Fantastic. I didn't realize we've been doing this for a minute. We got eight minutes left. We better reel it back in and talk about uh -oh. some. <laughs> no, we talked about recovery stuff, It was right? sharks. It was yeah. the sharks. <laughs> Absolutely. This has been good stuff. Okay. So you brought up, Vanessa, you brought up the residential, like you love the re residential setting. Yeah. I personally believe that there are all the different levels of care. They all have value. Right. Some people need that higher yeah. level of care where this is a get to know the staff at High Desert Counseling, we don't offer that higher, the residential portion of, of care. So one of the things I guess is you, you brought up the whole helping them get back into life, right? which is perfect. Cause that's like part of your job description, take them to voc rehab, take them to workforce services, help them get set up with an independent medical provider, you know, help them with independent housing, right? all of those things. So have you been able to kind of find your niche with doing that stuff? And do you miss the residential day stuff? So yes, I have. And, um, I do miss, I do miss 
residential a little bit. This part, it's a lot. I mean, I'll just be honest. It's, it's a lot. And um, like, what's a lot? The residential, <laughs> the portion? residential portion. Yeah, it's especially. Uh, I went to a an, an all women's residential treatment center the last time, and uh, this the I worked at uh, co-ed one, and there's some different things I didn't realize were. A thing. A thing, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that are going on. And I just remember, like, even when I was in residential, just, like, being away from my family and only having what is going on right now to focus on and, and like, where my unmanageability kind of came out, you know, was, like, it was everywhere. And it was and it was a lot. And I really appreciated the staff that I had that were there and willing to deal with it and deal with me because I was a lot. And so that's why I wanted to work in residential. Um, and I didn't have a whole lot of that, honestly, but there was still a lot of, like, people running and like, um, you know, mm. you, they get there and like, I care about those people, you know, I care about people in recovery and, um, you build relationships with them and then, you know, they're in for three days and you're, you're help talking them through, letting them know they can do it. And, and then the next day they're gone, you know, and then, you know, a week later they're dead. And like, that was really, really tough for me. Yeah. Um, I, I struggled a lot working in residential because of that. Um, that's the main reason why I didn't want to anymore. And I wanted to kind of start going towards maybe more of a transitional setting, you know, um, working as a case manager and being able to help them just go out and just get it, you know, um, residence treatment is, is, is necessary for a lot of people. And, um, I like it. It was great. It worked for me. I could have never done IOP. I could have never, I was not the one, you know, <laughs> like, right. I would have never showed up. Catch me if you can. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yep. <laughs> like, Only getting yeah. clean behind a, a jail cell exactly yep. yeah i was one of those people I think so. we all three of us in here were that way at one <laughs> yep. point. Yep. right right yeah. um but yeah. i love working in, in iop because um you know they're they're you have they have the treatment but they also are getting to do the other things and like they don't they don't have to just come right out of residential and just have everything thrown at them you know um like the step down process is really important i think um so that you can still have that support because like crystal was saying having your plate full like that and not knowing even the order to go in can be really discouraging sometimes, you know, Absolutely. and um, having a group you go to three times a week where you can bring that up and talk about it, you know, ask for feedback from the, your peers and then, you know, your case manager and have them help you with that is invaluable. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I think a lot of people, and again, I want this to be information, education and getting to know you guys, right? People that don't understand the treatment world, they don't understand the recovery world, and, and Crystal helped me make sure I get all this right. When we talk about higher levels of care, typically the first stop is going to be detox. Right. The goal of detox, I'm going to be real dramatic, don't die, right? Mm -hmm. Medically get them off the drugs. The next stop is going to be residential, which is a 24-hour care facility that v Vanessa just did a great job describing. They are very emotionally, uh, what's the word? Unstable. Charged. Yes. Yeah. Unstable. Dysregulated. Dysregulated. Perfect. Beautiful. The goal of that is physical stability because they're still having pause, post-acute withdrawal symptoms. Yep. And mental stability. Help them figure out how to deal with all that dysregulation, right? Yeah. Then you step down to what's called day treatment or PHP. The goal of PHP is additional mental stabilization, sometimes some physical depending on how long they've been in residential for and if they're still exhibiting post-acute withdrawal symptoms. Am I getting this right, Crystal? Yeah. It's great. That's job. where high desert counseling comes in. That's our highest level of care is that day treatment level. You're coming for 20 plus hours per week. It's a level of accountability structure. You're getting UA'd every couple days, really providing that support. Then you have the IOP. I always say the, the goal of IOP for me is like, we teach you these coping skills. We get you physically stable. We get you mentally a little bit more stable. Show us you can apply them. Get a job. Get right. independent housing. Application too. Because like you shared, Vanessa, you can learn this stuff all day long. If you don't ever take it and apply it, it's worthless. Exactly. Yep. And I think that, uh, so then, and then there's GOP. Would you mm -hmm. add anything to those, Crystal? I think you did a really good job. I mean, really. Um, I would say the goal of GOP is maintenance. Yes, GOP is maintenance. Um, and it's a place where it's our continuing care group and um, or recovery maintenance, however you want to say it. And for me, that's my favorite group. I, <laughs> I mean, Why I, is that? I, because you, they're coming in and like a lot of the fear is gone. They've gotten used to us. They've gotten used to their group members and they're starting to put their lives back together. Mm. 
and they're actually starting to apply the skills and the tools. And so there's just a little bit more rawness and a little bit more real. And they come in and they, and they're sharing about like the date that they went on that didn't work or like their roommate that's using, and they don't know what to do about it. They don't know if they need to ask the roommate to leave or if they need to move out. Like they're, they're protecting the recovery the best they can at that, you know, at that place. Um, but that's the part they're putting their lives back together and they're sharing about it. And so for me, it's that getting to watch them. And that's the part where I think they really start to flourish and grow. And, um, you can see that they're actually in recovery Mm -hmm. and that it just, yeah, it just warms my heart. Like that is where the magic is for me. Um, I mean, I like, I like all the other levels of care there. Well, (laughs) yeah. Day treatment's not my favorite, the but we're messy. we're messy. I know that was a lie. <laughs> that was a lie. <laughs> but I no, li- I, I I like them all. I just I like IOP. Like I yeah, and I, I think it's that way. Like the more independent that they get, the funner it is to work with them. Yeah, I mean that's just the way it is, and it's not about them as people. It's just where they're at. It's fun to tease the IOP and GOP level people. Mm-hmm. And like, yes. you remember when you first started riding a bike as a kid and your parents <laughs> took the training wheels off and you were cool as long as somebody was holding that seat and they were running behind you, like you were good. You could do it. Right. And then all of a sudden one day you look back and they're 20 yards behind you and then you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm actually doing this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what I think of at that level. And I always tease them and say, don't look down, but you're doing this thing. <laughs> right. Like don't freak out. Mom and dad don't got their hand on the seat no more. You're rocking and rolling. So first thing I thought of when you said that was like, nobody ever told me don't pull the front brake (laughs) (laughs) as you go up over the handlebars. I figured that out. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Also we've started an interim or a group to get people in it. A lot of people have been through residential. They've got the skills. They just have a hard time applying it. Mm -hmm. New to high desert counseling. What are we calling that Crystal? You came up with it. I don't know what the name is yet. An interim group that you can come before you get into day treatment services to get you toward the point where you can UA clean and begin day treatment with us. Yes. Thank you guys so much. This has been fun. We'll see you next week for episode 113. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rise Up Supplements, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of its sponsors. This has been a production from a podcast studio.